You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Hey, Josh. So excited to be back again for another episode of Missionary Perspective Podcast. Today, I'm very excited about this topic, which is specifically about language learning or language acquisition or language training, if you will. It's something that for most missionaries, as we go to foreign countries, we have to learn another language and culture. Well, we'll talk about culture in another podcast, but today we're going to talk about this very large subject of language learning and how a missionary can start doing that, uh, how a missionary can do it well, and then how long we're going to be learning our language. So, Josh, w- what do you have to say about this idea of learning a new language? It's not easy, is it? Oh, no, it is not. Some people are naturally gifted with languages. I envy those people. I hated language class when I was in high school. I had a great teacher, but I changed schools when I was sixth grade, and all of the students were already taking Spanish from the time they were in kindergarten on up, and I didn't get that, and so I was behind everybody, and I thought, I am never going to be able to learn another language, and then God called me to a place where we actually had to learn two languages so language is so important Um, there's no easy way to learn it I remember one time our son Tristan we were first here and uh, our first year our first term Tristan was maybe about four years old and we had been doing devotions every night talking about how important it was to share the gospel, why we're here as missionaries, what we're doing in Senegal, and and sharing the love of Jesus with people. One day it just clicked with him, and we're backing out of our house, and all of the kids are playing soccer in the street, all of his little friends, and he looked at his friends as we're pulling out of our car uh, yard, and he says, Dad, I have to tell my friends about Jesus. I said, okay. He said, no, right now I need to tell him. I said, well, all right, well, roll down the window and tell him. So he rolls down the window. He yells out, everybody, guys, and they all gather around. He said, Jesus loves you, and he died on the cross for you, and if you believe in him, you can be saved. And I said, Tristan, that's wonderful. That That's what we need to tell them, but they don't understand English. You need to say it in French. And so he looked at them. And he, with a big smile on his face, as loud as he could yell, he said, French! (laughs) So I wish it were that easy. I wish you could just just turn a language switch on and, and speak the language, you know. But that's just, that's not how it works. It's definitely hard work. But it's an essential part of being a missionary if you're going to a country where they speak any language but English. And so, yeah, it's such an important part of mission work, definitely. Yes, it's funny how when we grow up, maybe sometimes it's because of our American mindset, we think, well, if I'm going to learn a language, I just have to get this one program, just have to get the Rosetta Stone and spend a little time on the side. And no, when you when you really dive down and start to learn another language, another culture, you realize how it is a it's really a lifelong Um, goal and a lifelong work that needs to be accomplished to do well. And so I'm going to start with a question for you today, Josh. And this question is this. Why is it so important to learn the language on the field where you're going to serve? Why do you feel like it's so important that American or, or any kind of missionary who's going to go to a foreign field 
take the time to learn a language well? It's one of the things I, I emphasized on our first furlough when we went back to the States was that our first term was basically a focus on language acquisition and cultural adaptation. And the two really go hand in hand. Uh, language and culture are two sides of the same coin. You learn so much of the culture through the language. And so it's important if you're going to reach the heart of people that you understand what makes people tick, how do they think, what is their worldview, and the more you begin to delve into the language, especially in the local area in which you're reaching, because I'm sure Spanish and the expressions used in Dominican Spanish is going to be different than other places. You're going to get basic Spanish, you know, when you go to your language training, but then you're going to dive deeper into more understanding. And really, language plays an essential role in learning the culture. And there's things that you learn about just the way people think and the way they express themselves that give insight into the culture through the language. For example, in Wolof, we would say, you would say, my heart is cold. Uh, you would say, my heart is cold for the Lord. Okay. The first time I heard somebody say that my heart is cold for Jesus. And I thought, what does that mean? You know, but it means your heart is well, warm or hot. You know, it's the opposite. Um, Another way of expressing yourself here is you say, I love you. I love you with all my nose. And I always tell Julie, there's a lot of a lot of room for loving with the nose I got. So it's just another way. In fact, one of the uh, one of the songs we sing here. And it was a Bible verse that was quoted. At first, when I heard it, I was kind of like, what is this kind of, it almost seemed in my American thinking, it seemed kind of uh, disrespectful because it said, Jesus, it says, Jesus gave his nose for us to save us. And when I heard that, I thought, what on earth, are, what is that talking about? Like, it's the blood of Jesus that saves us, not his nose until you realize and you dive into the culture and the language that that is the expression of, of sentiment, of, of giving all. And I learned later that when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, where did he breathe it into? Into his nostrils, into his nose. And so that's where in this culture, the seat of the emotion is your is your nose, not your heart, like in English. And so you can say to somebody, you know, I'd be willing to give my nose for you and it's a way of expressing uh, your commitment and your sacrifice and your love. No, I think I think just just initially, and then uh, you can share some thoughts on on how language is important to the field you're reaching. But I would say just initially, language is absolutely essential to learning the culture and the mindset of the people that God has called you to reach. So it's absolutely yeah. essential. Well, I, I was waiting for it. I didn't know when it would happen, but finally in our third episode, we really got to the nitty-gritty of what I was wanting to learn about real-life missions, and that is how wonderful it is to compliment someone's nose. That, that, that's what we were waiting for. <laughs> that's that's right. why we are here with this podcast, is to separate that. And I think that is kind of the essence of, for people who don't live on a mission field, how cultural differences can really just, they can be very exciting. It really is exciting to be a missionary and, and quite hilarious a lot of times too. So that is really funny. I reiterate exactly what you said, Josh. Uh, to me, really, the 
obviously the, the, the main reason we, we learn the language is, as Tristan is finding out is so we can tell others about Jesus uh, in another language. But it is so difficult to tell such a wonderful, very important story without, without knowing and understanding the mindset the best we can. And, you know, as Josh mentioned, I think we're going to delve a little bit into culture in another podcast, but these just go so hand in hand. They're, they're, they're together, language and the culture, that you must really learn uh, the most you can about a culture while you're learning the language. And one of the reasons, not just the practical reason to tell them about Jesus, but when you are learning another language, you're making mistakes, but you're also, you're also really investing time and interest in a culture and a people. And that makes a difference with those you're serving with, your neighbors, the people who come to church. When they see that you, as the American, and in most cultures, not every culture, but in most cultures, there is a great sense of um, authority sometimes given to an American, as someone who's educated. And so they give respect. And so when they see you, who've come to their country to learn about them, their culture, their language, make mistakes, being willing to be corrected by them so that they, you can immerse yourself in their language, that goes a long way into breaking down barriers and obstacles where there may have already been obstacles. And they say, wow, this guy, this family, they're, they're learning all about us so they can tell us about this Savior. I, I'm going to pay attention. And I think the more we can learn the language and culture and show those around us that we serve, that this is very important to us. I, I, I've unfortunately seen many bad examples where many people will try to do the minimum and really just spend their time talking about the country they've come from. Often it's Americans. And um, we as missionaries, we need to set that Americanism as best we can to the side. doesn't mean we're not Americans, but we're going there to serve as citizens of heaven, representatives of Jesus Christ. And learning that language and culture can give us such a great inroad into being successful missionaries. And so uh, another, another thing I just want to add on to is, and I'm sure you've seen this because you're learning two different languages, which is amazing, that's very difficult to do, is, is to be comfortable, to, to not live in fear, to be able to go through the streets and talk to people, uh, to know that you're not being taken advantage of, although you will be as an American, that just happens all over the world. Any, anybody who goes from one culture to another will be taken advantage of in some sense. But the more you learn a language, the more you feel comfortable and less fear living in another society. Have you, have you experienced that, Josh? Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. If you're not striving to continually develop your language ability, um, your understanding, you'll continue. And if, if you go to a foreign field, if you're a missionary and you just get the bare minimum to, tr to try to pass and get by, and you're not constantly cultivating a deeper understanding of the language and trying to be more effective in the way you communicate, because uh, communication is not just what you're saying, okay? It's what are they hearing? What are they uh, interpreting? And so if you're not continuing to cultivate that and you're just maintaining the bare minimums, there's always going to be this curtain, this wall between you and the people you're working with. We're in an African country, predominantly Muslim. There's only so far we can go to integrating into the culture here. At the end of the day, we're always going to be the tubob, the white guy. We're always going to be the American, the Canadian. My wife's Canadian. You know, we're always going to be the foreigner. And so limited to how far we can go. And language can overcome so many barriers that 
allow you to access different understandings of the culture and uh, and just integrate into life there where other areas may be more difficult. I can put on African style clothes, but I can't change the color of my skin. So I'm never fully gonna be accepted as, a, you know, as Senegalese, except the more you delve into communicating in the local language, the more that people are willing to accept you as one of their own and it definitely opens up more doors. It's, it's so important for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, so we understand this is more the macro view of, you know, the importance of learning a language. And I would think most pastors, uh, young missionaries, they understand that on a, on a cursory level. But let's, let's kind of take a step back now as we're talking about a missionary who's getting ready to go uh, do some sort of language training. Sometimes it can be going off to language school. Sometimes it can be going to have special tutoring. So let's start with that in the ice as our mindset. And I'm going to ask you this, Josh. Why should I take the support that I've received from missions and go to a school or special training to do the work uh, instead of doing the work that I just said I was going to do for the last number of years on deputation? Why should I take this little bit of pause before I go uh, serve on the field where I'm going to serve? It's true that... Going through language school, it, it, it's not fun all the time. Some people love it. Some people enjoy that part. I love the academics of learning the language. I love the classroom setting. Um, I, I enjoy that, but it's not for everybody. And especially for the missionary who just got done presenting to churches, raising full support, there is a sense when you're writing your prayer letter that you want to give some sort of tangible result of the church's investment in your ministry. And especially with an American mindset, uh, there's, there's this idea that results have to be something that we can quantify by numbers or ministry or outreach and this and that. So when you're doing language, you're dedicating, you know, a year, a year and a half, two years of classroom study and you're not going to see a lot of tangible results ministry-wise. And so I think some missionaries, they feel overwhelmed and almost discouraged by feeling, I, I need, what do I say in my next prayer letter? I know I struggled with that. Two months go by, it's time for me to write another prayer letter. I've been spending eight hours a day in language class. Like nothing's changed. What do I do? But that's where if you're living the Christian life as a disciple of Christ, you're taking even the occasion of learning a language to evangelize and reach people, no matter how limited your ability might be. Now, when I was learning Wolof, we they don't have a structure here. You have to hire a tutor, basically, and then you just learn it going out and speaking with people. And my problem was whenever I, I, I'd hire a tutor for like eight bucks an hour or maybe 10 bucks an hour, I forget what it was, but I'd hire a tutor and then I'd end up after about 30 minutes, we'd start talking about the gospel and Jesus. And because I was limited with Wolof, I'd switch to French and just start sharing the gospel. And I thought, oh, we got we to gotta get back to Wolof. But that being said, yeah, it's, it's so important that you take the time that you need. Our, our director for our mission, he encouraged us and said, look, if it takes you two years to learn the language, learn it. If you're going to have a long-term effective ministry, if you want to be a decade, two decades, three decades on the field, 
get that foundation of language. It's not wasted time. You need to understand that. I know most, as a missionary, need to understand this is not wasted time of spending that time in the classroom setting, learning the language. Set the ministries aside. Don't launch out in anything yet. You have to saturate yourself with getting that language down and then dive into it and just determine our first term is going to be taken up a large portion of learning the language. And we'll talk a little bit later about how you can prepare even for language school uh, more effectively. You can There's things you can do even on deputation to get you ready for language school if you know what language you're going to learn. But that being said, it, it's well worth the investment. Most pastors understand that. They want you to learn the language. They want you to have that great foundation. And so this is more, more specifically for missionaries. Try not to let that pressure of thinking you need to give some sort of tangible result of ministry during language training time and just focus in on learning the language and spending whatever time it takes to learn it. Yeah, it's so true. If you talk to veteran missionaries, especially when I was getting prepared to be a missionary, and you would ask them all these questions about being a missionary, there, there were always two things they said. I mean, every veteran missionary always said the same two things. Get your support learn the language. Get your support, learn the language. And there's a reason, because if you've lived on the mission field for any amount of time, two of the main reasons missionaries can't stay or do not stay is because they were under-supported and they never properly learned a language. And so it's so important that you dedicate this time. Now, you have to understand, uh, missionary who's listening, not every circle uh, understands, every circle of churches understand this. You have to sometimes relay this. In my example, we had a lot of churches that supported us in a region of the, co- the country that they were not used to missionaries going to another place to learn a language. And, and I had a number of people like, so you're going to Costa Rica for a year before you go to the Dominican Republic? I'm, I'm confused. And so we try to explain that to them. And those who have come to visit the mission field, they understand now better. But that may be something, I think in most circles it's understood. But I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility there's a missionary listening now that will have a supporting church or pastor that just doesn't quite understand that. And so it will take... Uh, maybe getting the help of your director or another like-minded pastor who understands these issues to help come alongside and say, this is a vital, very, very important, important investment of your time. Yeah, I think, you know, in the last episode, when we talked about deputation, we talked about the urgency that you need to express uh, to your supporting churches that I need to get to the field. We need to reach the you know people with the gospel. But I think it's also important to understand that urgency and that sense of urgency does not necessarily mean preparedness. You're totally prepared. And even willingness is not readiness. I always try to tell young guys this. Just because you're willing doesn't mean you're ready. Jesus told his disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so don't try ever to lean on your own understanding or your own uh, kind of logic of how things ought to work. Lean into the Lord. Lean into understanding that I may be willing and I may be sensing the urgency to get this task accomplished, but I need to be prepared if I'm going to have a long-term effective ministry. And we've already emphasized, I think, just how important learning the language goes with a long-term ministry, staying on the field long-term, 
really it goes hand in hand with what you said, making sure that you're well supported and making sure that you are getting a good grasp of the language. And so when it comes to where you learn the language, you really, number one, you need to go where God is leading you. At the end of the day, you're responsible for the decision that God is leading you to make. Between It's between you and the Lord, but that does not mean you should not take the advice. You must search out and seek out the advice of missionaries who have gone before you, those who work in leadership in your mission agency, and just find out what's the best approach. But when it comes to where you learn the language, you really need to do your homework, do the research. The only thing I would caution about is being careful that you're not going to a place where you're going to be launching ministry at the same time that you're trying to learn the language, especially if you're going to a place where there's a veteran missionary who needs help, okay? They understand you need to learn the language, but they're also going to try to get you plugged in. And your passion is going to cause you to want to get plugged in right away. And that may cause your language learning to suffer, especially if it's in a country where you can get by in English, okay? There's lots of countries where the national language, the local ethnic language is different, but people understand basic English and you can get by with English. There was that same temptation here in Senegal where we could learn Wolof. Uh, we learned French, but then when we came here, we started learning Wolof, but we got involved in ministry immediately. So it took me years to learn Wolof. If we would have come to Senegal and gone to a village you know, say, and live there a couple years and learn the language, maybe we would have learned it more quickly. It's taken me far longer to be more comfortable in Wolof than it did with French. But again, that was just the situation we were handed with the way that the ministry went. But if you're learning your first language, you know, my recommendation is go to whatever language school that is recommended by the majority of missionaries on your field and then try to avoid plugging into too many ministries. Language is your ministry is really the advice I would offer. Yes, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. And just to kind of piggyback that is to say we understand. I know this is very common. For missionaries who it took two or three or in some cases four years of deputation, and that's a long haul with kids and, and just working towards a goal. And so the idea of spending another year in another country that's not the country you're going to, uh, or even if it is the country you're going to, to like, as Josh said, to jump into ministry, um, that is a great temptation. And we understand that. But not just through our experience, we're just talking about our personal experience, but we've seen many other experiences, other missionaries who have um, basically suffered and not been able to stay as long on the field because they didn't properly prepare themselves in that language training. For us, going to Costa Rica, which was not the Dominican Republic, was because we took the time. We took the time to talk to other missionaries, as Josh spoke, and there were a myriad of different places we could have gone to. It's not to say that Costa Rica was the best, but it was the best for our circumstance, and every missionary needs to do that. They need to make the best decision for their family. But language training is the best best way for a missionary to be successful in the future. And so for us to be immersed in a Spanish-speaking culture, uh, but, but one of the advantages I felt, and I wanted to kind of add this, the reason I enjoyed being in another country that wasn't in the country and the ministry that I was going to end up serving in, there was kind of like this psychological freedom to make many mistakes in a language, 
knowing that I wasn't going to be there the next year. And so I had the freedom to go uh, help out other churches, try my Spanish, make mistakes, have the people help me, but knowing that I wouldn't, unless the Lord did something great, I wouldn't be back in that place again. It was just a moment in time to help me get to the next level. And so this may not be possible. Some people, you know, they, they actually learn in the country where they're at, and that's great. But be very careful, as Josh mentioned, about being involved in ministry right way. And I know, I know that sounds crazy, but it, will, it can really stunt your growth. You need to make that priority, learning the language. So don't let the present need hinder your future success and ability. And so, Josh, uh, I know you want to add a little bit to that. No, that was such a great point. I, I can't agree with you more on that point of you need to feeling that liberty to be able to make those mistakes and to just get out there. And, and when you're in the if you're learning the language in the country you're serving in, you immediately feel the pressure of needing to communicate the gospel effectively. And sometimes missionaries will feel, well, if I just use a translator, I can get my point across a little bit more clear. Um, when the truth is, maybe it is, but you're not going to get it as effective if you just learn the language in the first place the best that you can. And I like that aspect of what you pointed out. If you're in a different area other than where you're going to serve permanently, you're going to have a little bit more liberty. I remember in Quebec, a pastor asked me to come and preach in his church two months into us learning French. And he said, you're going to preach in French. I said, what? And so I wrote out a message. I had some. I had a, somebody help me out. And then I got up there and I, to this day, don't think anybody understood a word I said, but it just, I, I was able to just get out of that comfort zone and just dive into it. And that's so important. So I, I, I agree with that. I just wanted to reiterate that. that that's something you, you won't realize psychologically, but when you're in the place where you're going to permanently minister, you're more conscientious of trying to not make mistakes when you have to let go of that inhibition of making mistakes when you're learning the language. We're going to talk about in a minute about how you really have to take a childlike mindset in learning a language and uh, being outside of where you're permanently going to minister. What is, there's going to be advantages to that for sure. You know, I'll, I'll end this, this on this uh, question here of uh, this topic of, of going to another language. But I remember something the the director of our language institute said at the beginning of every, I guess, trimester it was, and they said, don't worry, learn the language, we'll save some lost people for you. You know, the idea that if we don't go to our field and try to lead them all the Lord, well, if you can't speak the language, you know, you're not going to get through with them. So that kind of gets us to this next question, uh, Josh. What are some things to look for when you're searching for your language school or your language studies? Uh, are we looking for one-on-one -on -one tutoring, a school, a program, online even? What, what, what are you looking for in a practical sense for language training? All of the above. <laughs> Everything you can, you can get your hands on. Yes. Now, you, you want, there's different methods of learning a language. Um, and we didn't mention this earlier, but Eric and I, don't consider ourselves to be linguists, and we're not approaching this from a technical aspect. Um, I know many missionaries that work in um, Bible translation, that work in villages where they don't have a Bible, where the language is not even written, and that takes a unique approach. And that's going to take that's going to take a higher education. That's going to take some university training. You know, it's an approach that 
we're not really covering in this aspect. And I think in the specifically in the independent fundamental Baptist world, we need more men and women that's, that dedicate their lives to that type of work, to that type of linguistic Bible translation work. It's such a need. But we're more addressing just the average Joe that's trying to learn a language. I, I think God gives a special grace when you learn a language, when you're a missionary. I know he did for me. I didn't think it would be something that would come easy, but the Lord just blessed. I was able to learn it and communicate in it. But I think the key was I just saturated myself with the language. So we had a one-on-one -on -one tutor while we were learning French. We went to the university. One of the things I did and one of the things I recommend, you, you want to build a vocabulary the best you can. So while we were on deputation, I bought the Rosetta Stone. And now, now I'll be honest with you, having learned two languages, you won't learn to speak a language with the Rosetta Stone. But what the Rosetta Stone or other programs like that will do is build a vocabulary base. And I spent about our full time that we were on deputation, I did the Rosetta Stone as an example of an online program. I couldn't speak French, but when we got to language school, I had a huge vocabulary that was up in the back of my mind that when we started learning the grammatical structures and all of that, the vocab was already there to access so that I could implement it in a practical way as I was learning the grammatical structure of the language and how to communicate myself. And so you want to just saturate yourself the best you can. Yes, I think 100% that's all correct. I think when it comes to learning, I, I posed the question, you know, should it be online or one-on-one or a school setting? And you said yes. The truth is that is the answer, that we learn uh, different ways. We're all different learners, but I think we can all learn via different ways as well, like um, whether it be one-on-one -on -one tutoring. I remember doing that and how important that was, especially in the beginning for me, to, to constantly go over with the tutor. Let me make sure I understand this concept. But also being in a classroom setting was really wonderful too because it, you know, it made you have to catch up sometimes. And so that was, you know, it forced you to, to be working a little bit harder. And then after we actually got here, after language training, I did a lot of online tutoring, having a gentleman go over my sermons as I was preaching them every Sunday. And so all three of those aspects. But the most important after all that is to go outside and immerse yourself and apply yourself into the culture that you're at and, and try to use that language. And I think, um, I think we all understand that, but that's also the most difficult time. Now, now, Josh, let me transition to this last question I have before we get to this article you found. And that is... Just kind of this general question of how much time should someone dedicate to language training? I know that's kind of open-ended, but in your experience, what do you think? You're, you dedicate yourself to the task of learning the language, and when you immerse yourself in that process and you're singularly focused on picking up that language and, you're, and you put out other distractions, then I think mm -hmm. it's not really about how many hours you put into it. It's about, is this, is this your objective? Is this what you're focused on? And am I trying everything in it, whatever approach I got to, to get this language down? And it will come. Like I said, I think, I think it's really just a matter of being saturated into the language that you're seeking to learn. It's very true. The, the, the immersion level and the, the amount of time you're spending in it, applying it. When we went to language school, they were actually young couples that didn't have kids or sometimes single adults who would stay in the home of a national and boy they learned the language so much faster than anybody else because it was 24 7 training and so that is so true 
Uh, I would say that obviously we're talking very general here. You know, learning Spanish and French is not the same as learning Mandarin Chinese or some uh, trade language that there are no books for. So we, we are coming to that understanding that there are apples and oranges uh, arguments to be made and, and, and ideas here. But I will say that I think there is a time uh, that you need to kind of set, maybe after you've shortly started language training, to say, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time. It should be significant. It, opinion of mine that I've gathered through years of talking to other missionaries is, is about a year uh, to dedicate to this. Uh, and when I say that, a year, what I mean is a year of priority. Now, it could be a, a much difficult language like Chinese, and you, you come to an agreement with your pastor that it's going to be two years, something like that. But you, you set aside a time where the number one priority in your life is language acquisition. And then after that, you launch out by faith towards the direction of your ministry, understanding that language doesn't go away. It just goes down the pecking order of priorities a few steps. Uh, but, but you've said, okay, I've dedicated this time. I feel comfortable now that I can start to use this language. Now I'm going to go towards the ministry, understanding that I need to continue to get better in the language. Oh, absolutely. I, I would agree. I'd say one year, if we're talking in terms of, of years of learning the language, I would say one year minimum in an official language training setting is, is re, you, you just need it. We spent a year and a half learning the language. Our director said, if it takes two years, take the two years. Don't feel that rush that, well, this is a waste of time. The more you get of the language before you get to your field of service, it will not be a waste of time. And we had the experience of both worlds, of learning the language before going to the field and then learning Wolof on the field while we were ministering. And again, just from personal experience, it was much more difficult to learn Wolof. It took me far more years to feel comfortable to preach in Wolof than it did with French because I wasn't completely saturated into the mindset of learning the language. When it comes to decision-making, as independent Baptists, we tend to side on the side of, if you're called to God, bless God, just, you know, you do what you got to do. And that, you know, you can get some rogue guy who says, well, that's just the way I'm going to do it. Now, like I said earlier, and we'll transition into this article we're going to look at, you got to follow God's leading. At the end of the day, you've got to answer to God for the decisions you make, and you got to know God's leading you. All, everybody recommended we went to France to learn uh, French at a language school there, and I just felt led to go to Quebec. And at the end of the day, I, I had to follow what God was leading me to do. And it turned out when we got to the university there that we ended up having one year of one-on-one -on -one teaching with the university professor because of a, uh, of a change in a policy at the university. And so we had a much better experience. God knew that was going to take place. And uh, so, like I said, at the end of the day, you follow God's leading, take the advice of wise counsel and missionaries who've gone before you, but don't feel like you're wasting time dedicating a year, two years to language training. It is not a waste of time. And, and just to finish this whole part of the section before we transition, <laughs> I got some bad news for you, but it's also good news. Bad news is after you spend a year or two learning and you leave and you're getting ready to start, you're going to feel totally inadequate. Inadequ you're going to be like, I don't know half of what I'm supposed to know. But the truth is you have learned it. And when you start to use it, you'll be surprised how important that training was. So Josh, you found a article that kind of talks a little bit about this, but from a different angle. 
why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so, you know, as I was thinking about and prepping for this episode about language learning, and one of the things that have always stood out to me in, in our experience of learning the language is how you really have to become like a child in your mindset, in your attitude. If you do not humble yourself as a child in learning a language, you're not going to get the language. You have got to leave your pride at the door when you're learning a language because you're going to sound like an absolute fool. You're going to sound like you're an uneducated you know, person, when you're trying to speak this language, you are going to sound like a child to the people you're trying to reach when you're learning the language. And if you don't get into that mindset of people are going to laugh at you, they're going to snicker about it. But at the same time, when people see you putting the effort in to learn their language, it does open up so many other doors. They may be laughing at how ridiculous you sound when you're first learning it, but that touches their heart. It opens doors and people love that, that you're, that you're willing to humble yourself and to learn this language and to, to put the work in. And so uh, it was an article that, that I read a while back. It's an article on six principles of second language development. And the article is directed toward those who teach uh, ESL, English as a second language, addresses some of the challenges they face. But I think mm-hmm. reading the article, the principles apply to somebody learning the language and helping to develop the right mentality. And so I don't want to take too much time. We'll close out with this, but we'll just kind of do a quick review of the six principles here. We'll kind of go over them. And I think this will be a help to missionaries who are seeking to learn the language. And if you're a member of a church who supports missionaries, it'll help you to better pray for your missionaries that are learning the language uh, because it is challenging. And so uh, the first principle that they wrote in their, their evaluation of how children learn a language is this principle number one, children learn what they hear most. Now, that sounds pretty basic, right? Uh, And it is. Repetition and frequency matters. This is what I was talking about with before we went to language school. (laughs) I did the Rosetta Stone, and it was just repetition, frequency, saying the same thing over and over again, reading the same passages over and over again. Julie and I picked... A, uh, picked a movie, for example. We, we picked this kid's movie. It was about a little cartoon turtle. And we watched that movie every night during supper in our little apartment in Quebec for one year straight. The same movie until we understood everything they were saying in that movie. And I could probably quote that film word for word to this day. You know, you need to listen to the same material again and again and and build your vocabulary. Do what you got to do. Build your vocabulary. So was there anything that you used or anything that you did outside of the classroom that helped you build a a vocabulary in Spanish? I think everything you said was 100% true, and we had different experiences, but the same same principles applied. And for me, I remember specifically uh, on Sundays after going to church and probably understanding very little what the pastor said, even though I understood what passage it was. For me, it was going home and watching American football and listening to the announcer now, I know all those phrases, but now hearing him say those in Spanish, los empacadores, I'm like, who are the empacadores? Oh, the Packers. Okay, right, the Packers, I got it. And uh, trying to take that verbiage I knew from English and translate it in my mind to Spanish, 
and it was it was hilarious. It was fun, and it was like a, a child relearning something new. And so that applied to every aspect, whether you're going to a supermarket, a farmer's market, uh, uh, any kind of store. But for me, I remember specifically sitting home on Sunday afternoons with no pressure other than just the joy of trying to understand what these announcers were saying. It's true. I, I remember my um, my son, he was probably about, he was a couple years back, he's only about three years old, and we're playing with the, his cars, and uh, he pretended like a car got stuck, and he said, quick, get the wench out and let's pull it out. I said, where did you learn that word? Like, what, what? But it's a cartoon he watches. And this little cartoon talks about, you know, doing different tools and stuff. And so he had this in his vocabulary and he was, you know, using it. So, so make it fun, you know, make, find something you enjoy and, uh, and, and get involved in that the language, um, build your vocabulary. Number two, the second principle that, uh, this article, when they evaluated how children learn a language, principle number two is children learn words for things and events that interest them. And I think we just talked about that. It kind of goes hand in hand. Building your vocabulary, you're gonna build it if you get engaged in something that you enjoy. And so maybe you don't enjoy the classroom setting. Well, outside of the class, find something you enjoy. For me, I enjoyed cooking and I, I would try to learn different cooking terms. You enjoyed watching football. Find something that you enjoy, something that you're familiar with, and then use that to try to learn and build a vocabulary. And I would say, you know, if you're a missionary, the thing you should, yeah, the thing you should enjoy the most is probably going to church. And so go to church, go to their activities, go to their special activities. Uh, we love seeing their Christmas celebrations in another culture, uh, how they celebrated Independence Day, their own missions conference. And you may not have any idea what they're doing, but you will start to learn and pick up new words and new traditions, and it'll be fun. Well, principle number three, interactive and responsive rather than passive contacts promote language learning. This is very important. Frequent language input matters, but the social context in which language learning takes place is also important to consider. So for example, hearing words, even if presented in an interesting format, like a TV show or maybe a movie or something you like, it doesn't guarantee that language learning will occur, okay? Interactions that involve periods of joint focus, positive effect, sensitivity, cooperation, and acceptance provide children with the scaffolding necessary to facilitate language acquisitions. And so there were three, uh, three guys, they kind of did this little research, they tested 24 to 30 month old children and their ability to learn new verbs in one to three conditions. And so they did, children were learning, did they learn these new verbs better in a live interaction training, in a socially contingent video training, or with the non-contingent video training, uh, where it would be not as interactive. In other words, just watching a show or something, whereas uh, maybe a contingent video training would be you're, you're doing something that is a little more interactive. And what they found was that only the children in the live interaction training and in the contingent video training successfully learn new verbs, highlighting the significance of social contingency and language learning. So in other words, 
you need to put yourself in a context where you can ask questions, engage in conversation, establish interactions with people in in particular context, specifically with context of things you enjoy. You know, if you enjoy sports, find a team that you can get involved in. I enjoy basketball, so I started playing basketball with some of the guys here. And so it's funny, though, when we went out, I thought, well, this would be a great way to learn some new uh, terminologies and build my vocab with playing basketball. And so we started playing basketball when somebody wanted me to pass them the ball. Nobody speaks English here, but the first thing they said was pass, pass, pass. And then if I, you know, I get an open shot and they would go, shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> it's like, you're using English terms. Wait a second. You know, that's not helping me. Make sure you're creating opportunities for interaction with others. Okay. And so that, that I think is important with what they're emphasizing here. You can't just watch a movie and then you're going to learn the language, okay? Yeah, I agree 100%. I would say exactly that. It's it basically is putting yourself out there and trying and being willing to make the mistakes. So many of us don't want to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. And the sooner you can get over that, some people are easier. They're easier to, to laugh at themselves. I think I, that's fine by me. I don't take myself too seriously. Some people, that's very difficult for. And I understand that has to do with personality. It doesn't mean it's a sin. Uh, but you need to be prepared to make those mistakes and be willing to make those mistakes and say, hey, that's part of the training. As your child makes funny mistakes in a language, you're going to make it as well. And the sooner you can do that, the sooner you're going to learn and continue forward. That's right. So then we leads us into principle number four. Children learn words best in meaningful context. And so that kind of, again, it just, it's building on each other, these principles. Um, in, the con, in the article, they said research shows adults retain information long term when it is presented in integrated context rather than as a set of isolated facts. Uh, that's why a really good language school will not just do a classroom setting, but they're gonna put you into real world experiences. They're gonna try to create, whether it's in the classroom, they create some sort of real world uh, experience, or they'll have you go out, you gotta go to the store and do this and that and try to put it into practice. Uh, they also included children who are given an opportunity to use vocabulary in a playful context learn more effectively than those children who learn only under explicit instruction. Uh, this is especially important because learning a language to effectively communicate means learning the culture the language encompasses, right? Many ethnicities, and this, this is important to understand, most ethnicities identify their language with their ethnicity. We speak the Wolof language, it's called Wolof because it's spoken by the Wolof people, okay? Now there are other languages like the Romantic languages, French and mm -hmm. Spanish and other languages that they, they more are representative of a, of a language that doesn't represent a particular group, but there's still a culture that comes with these different Romantic English uh, languages. And so when you're learning the language, the classroom setting is not enough. You've got to get out there within the cultural context that the language is being used, and that's why we already said it, get involved in activities that you enjoy to put that into practice, and then don't be ashamed or afraid to sound uh, like a fool sometimes, because you will, and learn to laugh. Laugh about your mistakes, laugh about it, just relax. Don't worry about perfection. Don't worry about perfection, because if you are, just know this, you'll spend 30 years on the mission field and you'll never perfect the language, okay? You're never gonna stop learning the language. 
getting better at the language, but don't worry about perfection. Uh, just worry about communication and to effectively communicate means you're, you're getting involved in the cultural context of how the language is employed. Yeah, I, my notes are exactly that. Basically, it's just learn to dive into the good parts of the culture. You know, I enjoy, and most missionaries, I think, enjoy, and if you don't enjoy learning about a new culture, you're probably not going to be a very effective missionary. But most missionaries, I do think, enjoy new cultures. And so dive into going to uh, museums, going to cultural centers, going to places where you can learn the historical background of where you're serving at. And I think just naturally... By trying to learn those aspects, language comes. You, you notice historical figures. You notice historical events and dates. And you learn because you've put yourself out there into the culture and the language comes along with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, principle number five, there's just two left here as we close up. Uh, principle number five in the article states, children need to hear diverse examples of words and language structures. And so practice your language learning in diverse environments, okay? Build a vocabulary for particular outings and activities and then put them into practice. And so if we were going to go to the store, if my wife and I needed to go to the store, then we would work on some vocabulary for that particular activity. As you learn the language, you're going to get comfortable in certain situations. Most of the time, and I, this is probably still your experience, it's still my experience, that if you just walk up to a group of people having a conversation, unless you get the gist of the conversation, you'll be lost. If you don't know what the theme is, what are they discussing, uh, you'll have no idea, especially if they're talking about a topic that you've never built a vocabulary for. And so while you're learning the language, diversify the environments in which you're learning the language. Try to, try to just find every activity you can get engaged in and build a vocabulary and then go put it into practice and have fun with it. Yeah, if you want to, if you learn the Spanish language, uh, you know, or start to learn it like we did, and speak it for 10 years, and then you walk into a barber shop and you have no idea what they're talking about, good luck. Good luck, because you're not going to know exactly right. You know, context is everything. And, and, and regarding this point specifically, I put down this. I put down, make sure when you're diversifying your vocabulary, make sure you're learning from really excellent sources. Go to highly educated sources uh, that, that can help you. Uh, when you're learning from someone, try to get the best teachers available. Uh, there are a lot of people who think they know how to teach, uh, but if you have options, do some research because the most educated uh, in the grammar structure, uh, in all aspects, will always serve you better. Absolutely. Well, we'll close out principle number six, and it basically just summarizes the prior principles, is vocabulary and grammatical development are reciprocal processes, which is basically you're never going to stop learning. Um, your vocabulary and the development of grammar in the language is constantly, as you learn more vocabulary, you put it into practice with the grammar structure in the context of what you're doing and in the context of where you're at. And it just it's a cyclical uh, learning environment where you're continuing to build your vocabulary. You put it into practice. You correct your grammar as you go. And really, the final principle is based on the notion, the article says, that children rarely learn new words and their meanings in isolation. You cannot, as a missionary, 
become an isolationist if you're going to learn the language and the culture. You've got to get out there. Not everybody is an extrovert. Not everybody is naturally outgoing. Uh, everybody's gifted differently, but you've got to learn to just put yourself out there. You're going to build your vocabulary and your ability to speak the language very simply as you get out there and put it into practice. And so you continue to practice it in the context of what you're learning, in the context of your culture, learn to build that. You're never gonna stop developing the language, developing your learning. I, to this day, am still trying to, to become a better Wolof, a more effective Wolof communicator, more effective Wolof speaker. And uh, it'll be something until the day that God calls us to another location, it'll just be something that we'll constantly be working on and developing as we seek to effectively uh, share the gospel. Is there anything you wanted to add as we close up? I, I have one one little story I'm going to add at the end there, but is there anything you want to add just as we finish up here? I know we went kind of long today, but... Really, really just one last thing, and I'm probably going to delve into this a little bit later in another podcast when we speak about, and maybe even have our own wives on the podcast, but this is paramount. This is not a solo uh, ministry here. You're going with your wife and your kids. Your kids, if they're young or relatively young, are going to learn a language pretty quick. You don't even have to worry about them because that's just natural for young people. But your wife is your partner, and she needs to come alongside with you and learn this language with you. And so many times um, that can be a difficult situation because the wife is doing so many other things. And so just as an encouragement, we'll talk into the practical side of that another time, but I just want to encourage every man to make sure as you take these things to heart that you will go along in this journey with your wife, applying them in your life the same way. But I'll say this too, maybe maybe you struggle with the language as a missionary. Maybe it's still a struggle to effectively communicate. Um, God can overcome and he does overcome every one of our inadequacies. And I just want to share this story before we close. There were, there were several missionaries before us. Uh, our ministry, the ministry here with, with our mission board and churches sent, churches sent missionaries here back in the 1970s to establish the work. It wasn't until 1990s that the church was officially formed. And when we came here in 2009, there was one particular missionary that everybody to this day still talks about. He left the field back in the early 90s, uh, spent 17 years here, but he still talked about to this day. Now, there were two missionaries here, and I love these men both, and both of them had an impactful and effective ministry in this country, but one of them is still talked about to this day. And uh, I went back and watched some videos of the early days of their ministry. And one of the missionaries, he really is a linguist. Like he, he speaks probably seven or eight languages now. He's ministered on many fields. He's a very brilliant man when it comes to learning languages. He's just gifted naturally. The other missionary, um, he's, he's got a southern, a strong southern accent, and when he would preach, I mean, it was, it was you know, the French wasn't perfect, and that strong accent came out, and, uh, but I say all this to say, to this day, the missionary with that strong southern accent that maybe his grammar wasn't perfect, and he's still spoken of to this day, 
And it's not, not to say the other missionary didn't have an effective ministry. He certainly did. But when I ask people, what was it about him that stands out? What is it about him that you still remember him to this day? And they said he had such a big heart. Or I guess in Wolof, you would say he had such a big nose. You know, His door was always open to us. Uh, we just, we knew he loved us. And so that's when it comes to effectively communicating the gospel, you can perfect the language but if you're not communicating the love of Jesus, it doesn't matter how well you speak the language. And again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the other missionary didn't have an impactful ministry. He certainly did. And he's had an impactful ministry really around the world. But I'm just emphasizing that this other missionary who struggled with the language more than the other missionaries had an impactful ministry because of his open heart and his love of the people that was so evident in the way that he expressed it. And so you may struggle with the language. Don't let that hinder you from communicating the love of Jesus. People will overlook your grammatical errors if they can see the love of Christ in your life. And so learn to just continually cultivate the compassion and love of Jesus as you develop your language learning. Well, that's what I wanted to share. Uh, this is Josh from Senegal, West Africa. And Eric, if you have anything else, you can close us out. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you'll like it, share it, leave us a review. It helps in our ratings and uh, let other people know about it. Let us know if you have any topics you'd like us to discuss from the missionary perspective. Eric, would you close us out? Yeah, Josh, thanks so much for your hard work. For those who don't know, Josh does 90% of the work. I just show up here and yodel. So uh, thank you. Make sure you <laughs> share that with your friends. If they, like Josh mentioned, if there's something that you would like to discuss, we're going to have some interviews here in the future coming up. If there's a missionary you know, maybe a veteran missionary, you'd like to hear their testimony or they have something to add, we aren't the only ones going to be talking. We like to uh, share this with others. So please take time to subscribe, share with others, and thanks for letting us into your lives. <laughs>